You're listening to the Protecting Your Practice podcast with your hosts, attorney Dan Mayer and licensed counselor, Melissa Westner. Dan is not your attorney and Melissa is not your therapist, but they're here to help you cross your T's and dot your I's as they talk about all the things you wish you had learned in grad school. And now here are your hosts. Hi there and welcome back. Today we're talking about contracts. If you are somehow connected to a private practice or group practice, it's very possible that you've come across contracts. You may have come across them for getting paneled with an insurance company, signing a lease, accepting work as a contractor, or when looking for a contractor for your practice. This is going to be a two-part series in which we're relying on Dan's legal knowledge as an attorney to help us understand common terms used in contracts, as well as the basic elements that a contract should contain. Today, we'll be focusing on the basic structure of a contract. In an earnest way ever, as well, we're going to be ending on a cliffhanger, and you'll have to tune into the second part uh, to find out what happens next. And uh, in a more sophisticated podcast, we would have um, the murder mystery music cue at that point. But um, I do believe actually this podcast episode or two episodes are going to be um, two of the most important non-guest episodes that we have done yet. For an exact point that you made, Melissa, you know, while it's still very important that an attorney, a practitioner consult with an attorney when they have legal issues or needs, um, that does not mean that they should not be, they should be ignorant um, and not have a basic understanding of certain topics that may affect, affect their practice. And contracts, love them or hate them, are one of those topics. Being generally informed is really important. And it goes to the heart of protecting your practice, which is, of course, everything we talk about on this podcast. Yes. I, I'm going to give a quick anecdote to share with people to kind of show why I think, you know, why I'm saying this. Many years ago, and we will not say how long ago it was, lest you show how ancient I really am. Um, before I even applied to law school, I lived in D.C. and did some side work in politics. And I had the opportunity to attend an event where a senator from Louisiana was present at that time, um, and he'd given some remarks. Um, now, I've been working in a law firm in D.C. as well as a legal assistant, um, and I had been considering law school. So I had just one question for the senator um, at the end of his remarks. Um, he had mentioned that he was a lawyer during his remarks. So I went up to him after the event and I said, look, you know, do you think that going to law school is helpful? And did you find that your training was useful to you? And his answer was pretty direct and very simple. And I still recall it to this day vividly. Um, he said, yes, because as a young man, I understand that many of the people who make the laws themselves are lawyers, and the people in power were the ones who were lawyers. And I wanted to know what they knew so that no one could ever pull the wool over my eyes. And that stuck has stuck with me this entire time. I've never forgotten that. Um, and it's certainly very common sense, nothing very fancy about it. So I would say to those people who are listening too, knowing even the briefest bit about contracts and their terms and what the basic construct of a contract is, is useful information to help you um, because contracts will and do play a critical part of your practice. Even if you work with an attorney to draft or review contracts for you, some basic knowledge is really critical. Um, and as a practice owner, since you're often the one who's signing the contracts, this is another reason why it's super important that you just have at least some passing knowledge, the barest of knowledge, let's say. 
<laughs> right. And as a practice owner, you might be the one signing a contract, which means that you have to read them, right? Because I think mm-hmm. that that's something right. that, um, you know, sometimes people just sign things, whether we're talking about clients signing informed consent, whether we're talking about clinicians just signing contracts with insurance companies, making sure that you're actually reading the contracts that you have to sign. And also knowing that there are other times where you might be the one creating a contract with the assistance of an attorney. Yeah, you know, and and even with the clients I work with, you know, I send contracts back and forth to them. They, you know, sometimes will send me stuff to review. Sometimes I'll draft them, and I expect them to be reviewing it. Now, I don't expect them to know everything, and I answer any questions they have, as any attorney should do. But why? Again, this is why it's important. Is if you're going over a contract, an attorney's prepared to send to you. You're you're going over a lease agreement, or you know, you're doing a 1099 contract as a as an owner of a practice. You need to know what those terms are. Right. Certainly, you absolutely should have an attorney consulting with you. But if you, as you're reading through, if you have passing knowledge of what these terms are at the very bar- barest minimum, you're probably going to have a lot better understanding of what this contract is and what it's going to do. And that's why this is so important. So, where I want to start is let's start with this some basic principles that all lawyers learn in the first year of law school in Contracts 101. Okay. To have a legally valid contract, it must, and I want to say that it must have the following elements, okay? It has what we call consideration, offer and acceptance, a legal purpose, capable parties, and mutual assent, okay? Now, I'm going to repeat those. And I'm going to go through them now, okay? So consideration, really simple. It just means that the contract is enabling the parties to it to get something that they've agreed to something in value in exchange for something of value, right? Now, for all the lawyers who are going to be listening to these next two episodes, stop gritting your teeth. (laughs) Stop rolling your eyes. I am trying to explain things in terms that non-lawyers can understand, okay? So bear that in mind. Now, let's give you an example of consideration. Practitioner A wants to sell a copy fax machine to practitioner B. So they agree in an email that A is going to sell the copy machine to B for the price of 500, right? They draw up a contract, basically says that, they sign it, boom. That's what we call bargain for exchange. A is offering something of value, the copier facts, B is taking is providing something of value, $500 in exchange for the copier facts. That is consideration. That's all it is. So when you have a contract, something of value is being offered, something of value is being offered in exchange for that for whatever it is, whether it's services or um, a material or a product or course, whatever it is, that's consideration. Okay. Also, then of course you have to have offer and acceptance. Okay. So quite simply put, a contract must have an offer and it must have acceptance of the offer. So, a legally binding contract will have an offer and whatever terms and conditions it is needed to accept the offer. And then whatever those terms and conditions are, those are included in the contract, right? So to use our example again, if A and B sign a contract to sell the copier fax machine for a fee of 500 and to be paid by B, right? If B signs it, they're accepting whatever the terms of the contract are in exchange for the copier they're paying the 500, right? An offer was made, an acceptance was, was completed, right? You know, I'm offering the copier, I, you know, for $500, I accept your offer. Offer acceptance, really simple, right? Next, the contract must also have a legal purpose, okay? Very simple, right? 
can't break any laws, can't be illegal, right? So a contract to hire someone to harm some other person is illegal because the act of committing harm against another person is against the law. For example, contract murder. <laughs> you cannot hire someone to contract to murder someone. That's how you end up in jail. That's why it's illegal. It is the contract itself breaks the law. Okay. Capable parties. Now, this is something that a lot of practitioners will have a little more understanding about. Okay. Because essentially what a capable parties just is stating is they have to have parties who are capable and, and have the wherewithal to understand and consent to the contract. Right. So are they capable of consenting to the contract? Are they of sound mind? Are they a minor or someone 18 years or older? A minor is usually not permitted to enter into a contract where they're waiving their legal rights or their legal rights are going to be affected because it is not, they are not deemed to have the wherewithal to understand what they are signing, right? Also, the decision to enter into a contract must be voluntary and it must be will, made willingly without duress. So capable parties. Some of this, if you've been following along, this part right here might be sounding a little bit familiar as we've talked a little bit about this when we did the episode on walk and talk counseling Yep, and Correct. who can give that consent, who is capable of signing. Mm -hmm. um, so you may have heard us talk about little nuggets that relate to this particular area in some other episodes. Right. And that's the thing. Like If you have a client sign a waiver, Right. This is why a minor cannot sign a waiver. They need a, they can, but they need an adult to sign it with them because they are waiving certain rights. They cannot on their own, you know, in Maryland, for example, sign a contract that is waiving their legal rights. You know, it has to be 18 years or older generally. All right. And finally, we have mutual asset. Very simple. Again, both parties are accepting the terms and conditions of the contract. And that's done by, of course, signing the contract. You know, I accept what you're offering. And I accept the terms that are in the contract. I sign here. Both parties have assented to this contract. That's that. So those are really the, the fundamentals of a contract. And I don't expect you to listen to this podcast, this episode, and remember these going forward. But what I I'm hoping is that over time, the next time you look at a contract or the next time you look at a couple contracts, you'll think, oh, yeah. I remember Dan saying something about offer and acceptance. And sure enough, here's the offer in the, in the, in the contract. And by signing this, I'm accepting it, right? And I'm hoping some of these terms will just kind of stick with you a bit, you know, to help make, just make you more familiar with how this contract or any contract you have is constructed. Now, this is really important. If any of these elements is lacking, if they're interfered with, or if the contract is contrary to the law, the contract runs the risk of being voided or voidable and or unenforceable. So any contract that you sign must have these elements and otherwise it can be challenged. It potentially could be invalidated. So let's move on to another really important part on the beginning part of the contract, what we call the preamble. We typically know how this, this goes, right? It usually sounds something like this. The agreement is made and entered into by A and B and then and is followed by um, my personal favorite, and by that, I mean, I, by that I mean I hate it. Now, therefore, for the mutual consideration set forth and the consideration of the promises, rights, and obligations set forth below the parties intending to be legally bound, hereby agree as follows. Because everybody talks like that in every day, right? Let me ask you a question. Oh, okay. <laughs> did anyone, including you, Melissa, did you actually understand a word of what I just said realistically? I have definitely seen this in contracts before, but 
that's definitely not the way that most people talk. And yeah. so um, you do have to do some stretching to read and understand it. Right. Here's a tip. In my opinion, it's bad writing, right? It's utter crap. Part of my language, right? It's lawyerese. And lawyers write that like that because um, that's how it's always been done. Again, sorry, lawyers, but that's the truth. Let's be honest here. Okay. Because the reality is there are ways to draft a contract that are legally so stop, you know, make the contract legally valid. They don't have to have all that fancy language. Because again, as we've already established, as long as a contract has those five elements in it, I'm offering you this, you're paying me this, we sign the contract, it doesn't violate the law. A contract is a contract, right? So the average non-lawyer, that's a jumble of words. What I'll tell you is, i uh, give you another anecdote is, you know, years ago, um, a senior attorney reminded me that a lawyer who writes well abides by the principle of KISS, right? Keep it simple. I'm, I'm, I'm dropping off the other S that's usually on that. And again, in, in that little preamble I just mentioned, you, you may have heard me say the word consideration, right? Because we just talked about it, right? And that's true. But this sentence is really just cramped legal jargon. What it's really saying is these parties agreeing to exchange something of value for something of value, agree to be bound by this legally sufficient written contract with all of its terms and conditions. That's it. That's really what it's saying. So when you see a preamble like that, know that what that's really saying is a fancy way, the lawyer who wrote it, it's, just, it's a fancy way of saying, hey, these parties are coming together. Um, this party A, this party B, they're agreeing that by the terms of the contract below, they're going to uh, accept, offer and accept something that's going to happen below. Take a look, right? And so that's, that's what's going on there. That makes it more, a lot more sense, right? So yeah. then let's also jump to the end of the contract. Here's how a lot of contracts end. In witness whereof the parties hereto have suited disagreement as follows. Lovely. <laughs> you know, I read that and I'm like, you could have just said, we hereby agree to the terms of the contract and thereby sign below. And that would have been sufficient, right? You know, and, and essentially that's exactly what it means, right? Hey, like we've accepted, I've underread, I've understood the terms of this contract. You know, I am willing to accept these terms and I'm signing by and by signing below, I am indicating my acceptance of the terms of this contract and whatever the offer and acceptance is, potentially, right? Very bare bones analysis, but really it's it's really that simple. Key, of course, is that I am not saying that as now that I'm telling you this, that you automatically now should just be all like, all right, I know contracts, I can go write my own contract, I can go handle this myself. No. Please don't do that. That is how you're gonna end up in a lot of trouble. What you still need to be consulting with an attorney. You still need to be having an attorney review your contracts for you. But I'm arming you with this information with the intention that when you work with an attorney and they hand you a, a contract to review or you're handed a contract to review that you want to send to your attorney and you look at it, you have a little bit of understanding what's going on, right? Now, to keep things kind of brief, we're not going to get into the terms that are in a contract. This is our... Cue the music, cliffhanger. And the next episode, I am going to go in through and go through some of the most common terms you see in the contract. But it's important that you understand at least just now how contract is constructed and what the intro, what I call the intro and the, the outro, the conclusion, the preamble are in, in a contract. And if you're looking to practice using some of this information and you happen to have a contract from an insurance company or you happen to have a contract for a lease uh, for your current office space, go ahead and pull it out and just look at the different components of that contract just so you can apply some of this information 
or if you're someone who's working on creating a contract with an attorney, perhaps for your consultation services or perhaps for um, 1099 work, go ahead and just review those contracts that are in progress and use some of that information. Just familiarize yourself with them just so you can begin applying some of this information. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say if you take out your your lease um, agreement, if you if you lease a business space or you have a contract with an insurance company, or even if you have a 1099 contract, if these are well-written, if they're drafted by an attorney, um, I guarantee you these provisions are going to be in there. This The five kind of elements I talked about are going to be there. You just have to look for them. You'll see them. They're there. And again, that's my point is I, just by the fact of just listening to this, I'm hoping that you come away with, okay, I have a little bit of understanding now what a contract is supposed to be. And if you answer the contract and you see those things, then you have a lot better advantage in trying to understand what you're reading. Because that's the biggest problem. I think a lot of people read contracts. They have no idea what they're signing. They have no idea what's happening. And they're just like, okay, I guess this looks okay. You know, and I do have clients, no disrespect to them. And I'm not, and there's no, it's not knocking at them who send me things like saying, can you review this to make sure it's okay? Sure, I can do that, right? But, you know, I'm also like, it's important that you know, the client understand what it is you're signing, right? And so that's, that's why I think this is so important. Yeah, absolutely. So stay tuned for our next episode when we'll learn all of the fun words that you can find in a contract. Yep. And, you know, thanks for listening. This is part one. Part two will be releasing soon. And please check it out. Check it out. We are going to go through the terms of the contract. But again, thank you for listening. Um, as always, you can reach out to us on Facebook, on the web. Um, we do want to hear your questions, comments, particularly these, this episode. If you have a question, if you have a comment, um, your own anecdote, please send it along. We'd love to hear it. Um, we do respond to uh, emails and contacts. So please definitely reach out. And thanks again. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Protecting Your Practice podcast. Be sure to visit protectingyourpractice.com to connect with us, continue the conversation, and access additional information. As a reminder, the information on this podcast does not constitute legal advice. Listeners should contact their own attorney or paid consultant for all decisions regarding their own practice.